0: Do you want to hear what the best and most influential minds in the golf and turf industry have to say on issues affecting the world of golf, turf grass, and turf equipment? That's why I'm here. Tune in as Steven Tucker takes us on a journey with some of the nation's best minds and finds out what they think. If you were looking for excitement, you have found the right place. Welcome to the Turf
1: Addict Podcast.
0: All right. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Uh, it's new territory for me, my first podcast. Uh, joined today by a good friend of mine, John Patterson. And uh, John's the equipment manager at the Athlet- Atlanta Athletic Club. Uh, John and I go back quite a few years. Uh, let's see, back probably, what, early 2000s, I'd say. Um, he's one of those guys that I call and bounce ideas off of or, or vent a frustration. Um, but he's also, I feel, one of the best techs in the country and, and someone that I really respect in our industry. So I can't think of a better way to start this off than to have John on, Uh, so welcome John glad to have you are you ready
1: I'm ready let it rip
0: all right so I think you know kind of one obviously one of the first questions that anyone would have is you know how'd you get started in the business and uh, and you know why an equipment technician
1: oh well um, uh, well I'm (laughs) all by accident uh, really I'm a lifelong mechanic uh, 40 years turning wrenches this year. Uh, actually, last year, and um, had started off in the automotive field, and then moved into industrial mechanic. Moved up to Chicago. I grew up in uh, in Central Illinois, but grew up, uh, but then uh, moved up to Chicago. Wound up working on printing presses, uh, learning machine tools, working in the machine shop a little bit. Just uh, got fed up with the with the Chicago winters, and decided to make a move down to Florida. And I had every intention. Back in 1993, when I moved down to Florida to uh, to go to work on boats, uh, every. Every turn, everybody that I talked to down there said, you know, you might want to look at a different uh, line of work because working on boats in Florida in the summertime isn't any fun. So I uh, just happened across a, an ad for an assistant mechanic at the Forest Country Club in, in South Fort Myers, Florida, on the west coast of Florida there, and went walking in thinking uh, this ought to be a piece of cake. I can work on my, uh, my dad's lawnmower. There, there can't be that much to uh, turf equipment. So kind of fell into this business. Uh, the equipment manager there at the time retired soon after I started, and nobody else wanted the job, so I kind of fell into the equipment manager's position, and, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, started working my way up through uh, different, uh, different courses moving around quite a few times on the, on the West coast of Florida, then moved across to the East coast of Florida and got into, uh, got into big golf working, uh, the 90 hole resorts at, uh, Doral and then later at PGA national.
0: You were um, a dealer as well. Didn't you work as a I,
1: I was service a field service? I was a field service technician for Kilpatrick turf equipment, uh, out of Boynton Beach, Florida, um, working on the uh the Jacobson and Allied uh brands. Two years, a little over two years, I was on a service van on the west coast, uh servicing uh the territory from um Port Charlotte South to uh uh, down through Naples and east as far as Lake Okeechobee. So I had quite a, quite a territory that I was covering and made a lot of contacts there, became really involved with the local testa uh, Association. They're based out of Naples. actually became secretary of that group for a couple of years, uh, produced a newsletter and such, and that's mm-hmm. when I, I really got involved in this in the association aspect of our business
0: yeah so you got to see both sides of it really i mean the i did the distributor the you know distributor technician side where you get to fix everything we don't want to fix and and <laughs> then the uh the equipment management side so that's correct cool. yeah So speaking about association work, you know, obviously you're one of the founders of the association and we're on the original phone call when we were all discussing, you know, creating it. And it's been a few years now, so uh, since it's merged with GCSAA, you know, looking back on that experience, um, I know I have a few things that that I would have maybe done a little bit differently, but, you know, any things you wish you would have done or uh, that you would have changed?
1: Well, yeah, I think uh, I would have gotten out of my shell more been more vocal with my local technicians in my local area at the time. Done more outreach, uh, trying to just trying to raise awareness of the association, what we were trying to accomplish at that time. You know, looking back, we had maybe uh, at any one time we we maybe had 15 guys uh, toting the load uh for the association and it could have been i think uh, much more productive if if we had if i had put more emphasis on on rec- local recruitment just getting the word out really you, you know <laughs> you can play all kinds of, of scenarios in your head as to you know uh, how much more could we have accomplished if. If only, if only, you know, sure. and I think we we really did a good job with, with the tools that we had available. None of us were, were formally trained in, in, in association management and, in, you know, we had our, you know, I had the experience, uh, past experience from the tester group on the west coast of Florida. You know, when, when I was on that phone call with you, I was at Doral in Miami and uh up to my neck in in rebuilding a the shop there and and prepping for PGA tour events and so on and so forth but felt enough of a drive to that the the association was worthwhile and worth doing and and could bring uh, a positive influence into the into the industry and uh I think we did I think we did a good job you know the it, I could, you know, I could spend a, a the next half an hour, you know, positing about, you know, what if, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but. You know, I don't think it does any good to, to beat ourselves up over any perceived shortcomings. And, and uh, I think it's much more beneficial just to look at at uh, the positive impact that that we were able to make and whatever, you know, whatever capacity that is. Yeah. And
0: yeah, I think you know. it's crazy that, uh, you know, we started something from, you know, yeah I think I still have the recordings of those original phone calls. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you listen to some of the thoughts and, you know, what we were thinking then and, you know man if we only would have known right, <laughs> what we were getting right. into and yeah. and you know i think overall if you look at the big picture of it i mean you look at where we were and the reach that we ended ended with you know it wasn't just in florida it wasn't just in georgia it wasn't just in you know uh the carolinas it was worldwide i mean we were we were going everywhere yep. and uh it just showed what the need was and we did it at the right time which you know a lot can be said for good timing technology being where it was the need for it and then uh the support i think that was probably one of the biggest things because you know with with the support that we got from from uh the manufacturers i think they they obviously saw the need for it Um, yeah
1: you know looking back on it it was it was um it was remarkable nobody said no yeah. Um, people would say, well, you know, we we might have to to think about a way we can do that. But nobody came right out and said, no, you guys are out of line. We we think that you're off base. We don't think that this is, is needed in the industry. Everybody uh, really to a man said that, you know, the need is there. We applaud what you're doing and, and uh, we'll support you any way we can. So. Yeah,
0: I think a lot of it's approach. I mean, I don't see that. Uh, building the association any differently, I don't think, than I see, you know, our jobs as equipment managers or running a business. You know, it's it's getting everybody's buy-in, everyone's input, and then trying to trying to mediate all that or get all that rounded up and into a direction and then stay in the course with the direction. You know, even even if it isn't always approved by everybody and everybody doesn't love it, it's it's continuing to move it forward Uh, So that there's progress And I think a lot of Whether it be associations Businesses Whatever Get hung up Because they're not They're not You know Appeasing everyone And Mm. don't go as fast Don't move as quickly And I thought I thought overall We moved very fast for what we were trying to do and and with the limited amount of time that we all had to dedicate um right so uh, you know i think you know the the next question i would have in that regard is now that you're not doing that you're not running an association and trying to run a full-time job and then you know having a family to go home to and spend time with them as well do you miss it and do you uh you know does it feel different now
1: well sure um, you know I, my my professional focus has has shifted you know since the since the merger with GCSAA I, I have moved uh, yet again here to Atlanta Athletic Club and uh, taken on quite a project here at AAC and modernizing the shop facilities and and uh, maintenance procedures and turning over the equipment almost the entire equipment fleet in the past three years. And, uh, so I've, you know, I've just been up to my neck with the, um, with the job and, uh, always looking forward, you know, we're, we're working on the shop right now, changing over to led lighting in the shop and, and things, projects like that that i've got going plus also i have a teenage boy at the house that i you know really love spending time with uh, we're big into scouting now and just really enjoying uh spending time with him supporting my wife and in and, and her efforts uh she's got a, a home business that she's working on and i'm uh, supporting her with that i've also spent time in the in the uh, well, last winter, up until last winter, uh, working with GCSAA and and uh, trying to develop the the uh, the testing uh, for the the certificate program. Just this winter, I'm I'm taking time for John and AAC and and uh, focusing more on on those endeavors. But certainly. My head is—it's still in the back of my mind, even though my my primary focus is in other directions right now. Perhaps you know I'll have—I know that I'll have conversations at GIS in San Diego about, you know, okay, where where do we go from here, and how can I help as as my time permits, uh, kind of thing. So
0: sure, and and I think it's come become more situational, right? I mean, I think the good sure. th- the good thing about it is that you know. I'm starting to see a lot more guys get involved than we saw originally. Right? It was the same right. same 15 guys or 10 guys that were just rotating mm-hmm. around, and and uh, that was kind of my thought. You know, I was being involved with GCSA and the merger in the beginning, and then kind of trying to you know focus not just on me, but on the on the on the club and some of the other businesses that I'm working on. Um, being able to do some of that stuff, but re- seeing and realizing that other guys are stepping up, we're getting new ideas and 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 things mm-hmm. are evolving, and I think that's really what we were looking for with IGCMA that we just never were able to get quite to. Um, right. And uh, so it's great to see that. But
1: and I think that's a good validation of of the, 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 uh, how positive the merger has been right. overall. Sure, there's got to be some uh, a ramp up time uh, to where. Everything gets, gets going within uh, GCSAA and the structures get uh, in place and, and so on. And the priorities are established and uh, things keep moving forward. But, but now that that's kind of the dust is settled, so to speak, and the, the initial, I, I guess, uh, honeymoon period is over and, and people are really getting down to work, uh, priorities are established. I, I really feel positive about the future.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it, it's easy to look from the outside and uh, see, well, you know, I don't see a whole lot. Obviously, the certificate program's there, and I get an, uh, an e-newsletter here and there, and, and uh, some most of the content isn't directly related to the technician but i think you know you realize when you've been in that seat that there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that it takes time to to get to that to, well, not necessarily to get to but to to make them happen sure. um a lot of logistics a lot of planning a lot of okay buy in and and everybody agreeing um or at least trying to get everybody to agree and and uh, so that takes time and effort to to get to so i think overall they've done a great job i think the shows more technicians there than i've seen in the past um, um, that's definitely. definitely picked up, and and uh, just the overall involvement of technicians now, I think, has gone up. And and I think if there was there was ever a win, um, I think it was it was that because you know I think when we were looking, we were thinking, man, there's just not a whole lot of leaders that are that are in the ranks for techs, and um, I think we're slowly starting to see some of them emerge and uh, and get out there and start taking a little bit of risk getting uncomfortable, and, and I think that's, you know, leaders, they, they live uncomfortable, and um, <laughs> and I think, uh, I think that's a good, good sign. All right, so let's get away from association stuff, and, and uh, let's talk about your grinders. All right. So, I mean, I, obviously oh, right. you get asked this question all the time and I do too when I'm doing seminars or anything else. And, you know, well, what what's the best grinder out there and, and why? And do you backlap, and all those types of things, right? I mean, those are the typical questions. So I guess my question to you is, is why SIP grinders? I know you have those. I have them. Full disclosure, I have them too. But, but why did you pick them?
1: Well, um, there's several reasons. Over the years, I, I learned about the benefits of relief grinding. And uh, I, I ran my own tests because for, for a long time, I was one of those guys who said, well, the front side of the blade does all the work. Uh, Who cares what's behind the cutting edge? I'm in that club. I don't care how, (laughs) I don't care how, how thick the blade is behind that. So, but then I was able to, to run tests side by side and look at the benefits of relief grinding in in terms of, uh, looking at it from purely friction reduction and, and, um, and bed knife longevity, uh, cutting edge longevity. And I saw a, a definite measurable difference and, uh, and benefit in the relief grinding. And uh, I, I cut my teeth on uh, Bernard grinders um, back in 93 at the Forest Country Club. That's all I knew uh, for a long time. And then I learned uh, about foley grinders actually at, at tiburon golf club i remember when i was working for kilpatrick as a field service technician i was able to spend uh, some time with the technician there who was a crackerjack uh, on the foley and learning all that set up and i said hey you know i really like that i can leaf grind i really like this setup so i was a foley guy for a while and uh, ran foley grinders and then i had um the occasion to uh work with um with peerless real grinder and ideal bed knife grinder at the um uh at the Ritz Carlton golf club in Jupiter. At first really didn't understand all the benefits of what I was seeing uh there. So got a hold of uh, Mark Pilger, owner of SIP, and he took the time to come over and teach me. Uh, about the grinders and the, the benefits and so on and I was just uh, taken as to why it took me so many years to find this out now it comes down to speed repeatability I can relief grind and the, the, the real grinder forces you to be better it forces you to Fix that cutting unit as far as paralleling is part of the 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 grind setup. Uh, when I was at some of the larger clubs, the the um, you know Doral and and PGA National, where you've got a lot of a lot of. Moving parts there, you've got a lot of people uh, putting their hands on the cutting units, and you're trying to standardize procedures and setups and and so on. Uh, you get the guys who would try to rush through and not parallel and, and things like that. Well, the the real grinder, is probably, of course, on the on the five inch reels especially is is forcing you to be better and and really uh, parallel that cutting unit. It's the only real grinder. Uh, on the market, that you adjust the reel to be correct as part of the setup. You don't adjust the grinder to however messed up your reel is. Right. You 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 adjust your reel to be correct. And um, uh, you know, at first when I when I looked at that, I, I thought, well, you know, this this has taken me more time to set up my grind. But when you look at the overall time floor to floor, it's less because you're not having to take that cutting unit then over onto a surface plate and do all that setup. Now I do still occasionally put a five inch reel on my surface plate, um, just to double check things and, um, and all of my seven-inch reels, of course, the the movable reel uh, cutting units—they always go across the the um, the surface plate as part of the, the final setup, anyway. And but that that's with any grinder you're going to do that. But um, so speed. When I was at PJ National, we were running uh, 54 holes. Um, no, we were running actually seventy-two holes on one set of grinders, mm. and um, that thing and stayed we, running. It did. <laughs> it, it did. It ran all day, every day. But we were able to do it with one set of grinders until uh, you know we had room in the, in the capital budget that we could add a, add another set. But um, speed, accuracy, repeatability. Um, and quality overall quality I'll uh, you know I, I just uh, it goes on and on you get the uh, <laughs> you get the guys that say well oh, well you, you know I, I can't I can't grind any faster than um, an Express dual you throw it up there clamp it down and grind it and I say, well that's you know that's fine but what are you what kind of results are you getting right.
0: um, there's just there's more to it than just grinding the reel and I think there, that's there the is. big picture of this
1: right right and, you know going back to my background in um, when I was up in Chicago I had a, uh, a great opportunity to to work with some some crackerjack machinists and learn uh, high precision machine work uh, our normal tolerances were plus zero minus three-tenths and the you know the printing industry uh, it just you just have to keep those those tight of tolerances because you, you get tolerance stack up and all of a sudden it's visible in your print. But I I brought that with me into the turf business and it drives some people kind of nuts. But our tolerances in the shop are so tight now that our 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 cutting units that are in the worst shape are cutting units that are still above factory spec right and and you're never going to see um an issue out on the golf course because of the cutting units when you're following the program correctly um and and that's just you it's just job one is our cutting units so uh because it is the visual component of what we do right yeah. Uh, you know, you can have three broken down tractors out back behind the shop. Nobody's ever going to know about that. But if you have one cutting unit that's out of out of parallel on 18 Green, everybody's going to know about it, right? Sure. So, so that's just my philosophy in the shop, and and you know. When you're grinding a cutting unit, uh, when you're grinding a reel on a peerless grinder, for all practical purposes, you're using a machine tool to to do your grinding, You're. you're you're at that level. Uh, you don't have a grinding wheel bouncing off of your reel blades. You don't. You're not measuring to reel shaft that may or may not be concentric. You're actually paralleling to the the surface of the of the reel that is, and that is what's doing your work. And that's what you measure everything off of is that junction of the reel blade and the bed knife uh, that forms your cut line, and that's where everything comes from. And with that real grinder, you can you can do all that. Now, with the bed knife grinder, we've of course taken it up a notch there as well.
0: I mean, that's with the reason the, I even went with those grinders was the bed. Knife, yeah. the bed knife grinder sold me.
1: Yeah, uh, the real grinder sold me first uh, when I was back there at uh, <laughs> uh, looking at that original Ideal uh, six thousand that we had or no, it was a 1000, I'm sorry, uh, at the Ritz Carlton. Uh, I told Mark, I said, you know, this is great. Um, having two grinding heads, but I'm losing any time benefit in the bed knife setup. So can you, can you do something with indexing off of the pivot bolt on the, on the bed bar? And, uh, that's when that pin alignment system was born, right? Yeah, he, uh, he, he, and it it took him all of two weeks. He came back with, Mm -hmm. uh, with that, uh, that pin alignment system and I was just over the moon. I was, wow, this is great because you could set up your, 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 uh, pins and then just push the knife back against it and lock it down and grind it and there wasn't any of this touching off that you do on any of the other uh, bed knife grinders and I was I was really happy with it well then mark uh, was out at a he was out at the Toro test facility where they have one of one of his grinders and uh, he, they have a set of his grinders at the Toro test facility and one of the uh, engineers the cutting unit engineers looked at that pin alignment system and said well that's great but can you do the alignment vertically as well as horizontally and that's when you know another couple of weeks later he had come up with the v pallet system and i i use that system uh, today i mean from that point on i was just yeah it's so fast it is. It's just. It's just night and day. Uh, you're grinding both surfaces uh, to the correct angles, and it's repeatable. Uh, as soon as that knife comes out of the mower and goes back into the grinder after being out on the golf course there's no touching off or anything you just set it in there lock it down and grind it yeah
0: and i think you know one of the biggest things that i try to tell guys whether i'm consulting or teaching or whatever the case may be or even my guys at the shop is you know the the most important thing about what we do is those cutting units. I mean, you know, we can change the oil and we can have, you know, the machine looking great and all those things, but if it gets out on the golf course and it cuts like crap, we're judged by that. You know, we're exactly. not judged by all those other things. And you know, don't don't get me wrong, all those other things need to be done and have to be done, but are we putting all of the time we should be into the thing that keeps us our job? and i think that's the that's the thing i i try to stress to those guys and and
1: cutting uh, units is job one yeah it it has to be
0: no doubt about it so moving on to equipment manufacturers john Mm. is there a best one i mean (laughs) real
1: no um Short answer: No. Uh, it's like saying, "What's the best car?" Right. Well, what do you want to do with that car? Do you want uh, Do you want uh, something like a, a Boulevard Cruiser? Uh, you want to cruise across country in your car, or do you want something you can take out on the track? If they're going to be built differently to do different things. I think I think that overall quality, overall build quality, the, all the manufacturers are pretty close. Um, it, basic engineering and serviceability of the equipment is pretty close. Implementation of tier four is pretty close. Everybody's got the same technology to work with. Where it comes down to it, for me, is is, is application-specific equipment. I don't think that anybody on the planet is going to argue that Toro has the best aeration equipment. No doubt. Uh, when when it comes to to that kind of a thing,
0: and I think they all have that thing. You know that they're known for. Um, right. That that right. they do better than everybody else.
1: Right. I do feel I I feel for Jacobson uh, right now. Um, I think that they're going through a, a really tough time. Uh, with reorganization coming down from the corporate level, uh, I don't know that they'll be able to recover from it. Frankly, uh, time will tell. I All hope right. that they do, because competition and more competition in the industry is good for everybody. Sure. I, I really hope that they uh, get their their product development and their and their service side on track. I'd like to see them, you know, really uh, come out with some some new products and and uh, um, you know really really focus on the uh, service and support side as well we'll see what happens there right now and in, in my area of the country we have basically toro and and john deere duking it out and uh, it, it comes down to to service really uh, uh, for us both of my local uh, distributors have gone through tough times and are in a rebuilding time and have focused energy and uh, a fair amount of money on on fixing uh, the service issues that they've that both have, have had in the in the recent past um so that's uh, encouraging to see i have a personal preference as far as um cutting unit wise uh i prefer toro dpa cutting units personally at just from a standpoint of turnaround time in the shop and ease of setup when I was in the the larger golf courses, turnaround time was paramount, being able to to get cutting in floor to floor time as low as possible and still keep the quality up. And uh, from my experience, nothing's faster to to set up correctly than a Toro DPA unit. but the the John Deere, QA5 cutting unit is more tunable from my from my standpoint than a than a Toro. I agree. Uh, the the metallurgy is different. The the John Deere reels and bed knives are are the softest, I I believe, uh, and tend to wear the quickest. Uh, so, running on abrasive uh, cultivars, the uh, they tend to wear. Uh, lose their edge more quickly than the uh, the Toro or the Baroness uh, cutting units. There's a word you probably haven't heard in a while, the Baroness cutting units. I'm looking at those uh, for my next uh, equipment term. I'm impressed with the build quality and the metallurgy of those cutting units but again we you know we got to look at, at dealer support and, sure and so on with that
0: well but. i think you also you're taking you know you got you got to choose the the, the be, you know the best of two evils so to speak because you've got tunability on one side right where we talked about the sip grinder and getting cutting units accurate and all of those things and then on the other side of this you have time right so <laughs> the timing setup. setup the the uh, you know how quickly can i get them out over maybe the ability to fine tune them to the level at which you want to fine tune them to Is that mm-hmm. would you mm-hmm. say that's about right
1: yes yeah. yeah definitely it's 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 all a balance and when it comes to when I said before that everybody's doing things about the same, an oil change on a fairway mower only takes a certain amount of time, no matter what color that fairway mower is. Sure. So I'm not I'm not so concerned with with that aspect of it. It's um, being able to turn those cutting units around in the shop and and keeping my quality of cut, my aftercut appearance up, uh, those kind of things when it comes to mowing equipment. Utility vehicles, uh, it's really tough to beat that uh, that John Deere TX Gator uh, when it comes to what I call a, a mid-size uh, utility vehicle. Pro Gator is really tough to beat, although we're looking at the, the new uh, Textron Cushman truckster uh, to replace those next turn uh gonna be testing those out this summer and you know i, I look at everything I, i'm not the kind of guy who just says well it's my fleet's gonna be all red or it's gonna be all green or it's gonna be all orange or all blue um i think that does a disservice to my to my membership i agree 100 um, you know i'm i'm here to be you know to to provide the the best bang for the buck that we can uh, for our membership, I, I consider myself a steward of our. Uh, our members fleet. This is our members fleet of equipment and uh, they've invested a lot of capital into their fleet and their facilities. And, and uh, I want to, you know, get the best bang for the buck that I can for that. If it makes more sense for us to spend a little bit more money up front, uh, knowing that we're going to have lower operational costs, lower labor costs to do that. I will, you know, put together the presentation for my boss and let him run with that. And if need be, I'll go stand in front of the board and, and explain it myself. But ultimately, it's, it's the decision, the purchase decision is out of my hands. Uh, it's not my money. And, you know, all I can do is educate our membership to, to the best of my ability as, as far as what the benefits are in, in whichever way. After I've actually ha- had my hands on the machine, I'm not just going to stand here and say, well, the um, I, I believe that, uh, you know, the red machine is better um, just because I like what the distributor is telling me. I'm, I'm going to get those machines in my shop and actually Run them through and uh, a good test, and and, uh, before I make a determination. But then, ultimately, it's it's my responsibility to. Uh, communicate those benefits or lack thereof to to my director of agronomy and and to the to the board or greens committee whoever is involved in making the decision
0: right you wouldn't go you wouldn't uh, buy a car uh that you had in test drove right you wouldn't just go pick one up um and just because your buddy had one, you know, is that going to satisfy you to go spend forty grand on a new truck?
1: Probably not, <laughs> exactly. right? Uh, exactly,
0: exactly. And, and that's one of the things, obviously, we see in this business. But the other is how incredibly personal things seem to be. You oh, see yeah. that too. I mean, oh, definitely. Like that—that uh, that this a personal thing between your decision on what equipment you think is best, uh, and that you're going to support for the club. And you know, just like you said, for me, it's you know, listen, it, it's about the club. If if I worked for your distributorship, you would want me to do what was best for the distributorship, not what was mm-hmm. necessarily uh, always in favor of the customer because we got to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't see it any differently for uh, for four seasons for me that I'm always making decisions and and you know I'll tell I tell my guys this and everyone this is you know I always look at it from an owner's perspective if I own this golf course <sighs> Um, would I make that decision if it were my money? And if I can't say that I would, then I don't do it, uh, right. and I don't support it. And I, I feel like if I always look at it that way, I'll never catch myself in a situation that I can't defend some of the decisions that I made down the road. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. You, you know, we just got two GPS sprayers, you know. Obviously, they're really expensive. Um, And and so, you know, I got to feel like when I make the decision and, and, and help support uh, the need for those, that... Um, I would do it if I were the owner, that it makes best sense for them to uh, to go this route before I go up there. And, and I think at the same time, you know, as technicians, it, it kind of gains us credibility to be that way because when we go up there, you know, they know we're not asking for something that that we don't need, right? I'm not going up there and I, I'd love to have seven fairway mowers. Well, is that justifiable? <laughs> no, right? right. Um, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I do the cost analysis on all of those things just to make sure that uh, if it my money i'd spend it the same way so all right um moving on so a uh, big question and always has been since we've been so i think since we've been in this business is uh technicians right mm. and the lack thereof so to speak mm. um yes. think there's a magic bullet to fix this problem or uh, what do you think this industry is going to look like in terms of technicians in 10 years from now
1: Well, um, I, I think we're rapidly approaching critical mass as far as, as far as the situation goes. Um, and it's, it's not just our industry. It's, it's all of our skilled trades, um, uh, are, are really running up against the, um, you know, the, the low unemployment, um, the, the desire to uh, of 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 technically minded individuals to get their hands dirty, um, and uh, it's it. There's a lot of factors involved. Um, lack of industry awareness. Um, back to <laughs> Mr. Pearsall at, oh, yeah. at uh, Lake City. Yep. Uh, I remember years ago um, listening to him talk about you know lack of industry awareness, and you know we've got. <laughs> Uh, right around 15,000 golf courses in the United States, about 45% of the world golf courses are, are here in the States. And it's just remarkable that, you know, we're, we're relatively. I, I don't know. We're we're a relatively small industry. When you look at fifteen thousand golf courses, well, how many Chevrolet dealerships are there in the in the country? You know, mm-hmm. there's there's you know many many more. So we're we're fighting for technicians, and we're we're really outgunned uh, when it comes to market size. Um, I believe we are outgunned when it comes to compensation packages. What we're offering. Uh, the technicians uh, coming into this industry. What about How appeal? We... Appeal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> right. Um, what is the appeal? Well, occasionally you get to work sixty-hour weeks. Yeah,
0: insane. And, uh, and uh, right, we they, get plenty of
1: that. Ex- exactly. <laughs> um, there are you know benefits for you know folks that can work at uh, at clubs that that uh, will let you get out on the course and um, folks that you know enjoy um uh just riding the golf course and and enjoying the outdoors and and the benefits of the the beauty of a of a good aftercut appearance and and so on but uh, bottom line is we got to pay people enough to to afford to drive to work in the morning and um we're really uh, with the economy ticking along the way it is, and, and uh, employment numbers low. Um, uh, you know, our, our our competition really is is any any place that has moving uh, equipment, any uh, construction company uh, uh automotive is is a big draw of course i came out of the automotive industry i know a lot of technicians um there's a large percentage of us i believe in this industry that are transplants out of the automotive field or um you know industrial mechanics of some sort uh heavy equipment uh, a lot of them
0: well, you know, the, the thing is, from, from our, you know, I'm not quite in your age bracket, but I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> but I think I was kind of in that last realm of uh, there still being auto body in high school and, and those types of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it now. You know, you go work on your car um, and we're different, but most people are taking them to the shop, right? So oh, kids yeah. don't get exposed to it like what we were. Sure. So they don't know if they like that kind of trade or not. Because if you're not exposed to it, you know, again, going back to that saying, you, you don't know what you don't know. And and uh, I think the answer isn't uh, pulling guys off the crew that know how to change oil and put them in charge of $2 million worth of equipment. Yeah. Um, you know, there's training involved. There's there's some resp- fiscal responsibility for the club, uh, making sure that that they have someone qualified in that position, and and you don't need to wait until you don't have someone to then start thinking about it. Um, You should all in my opinion is you should always you should have someone there in waiting an assistant tech uh, ready to move into that role when when that guy moves on Um, and then Mm -hmm. his job then after that is to to train the next guy right next man up that's what they talk about in in NFL all the time right the next man up so Mm -hmm. um, my opinion is is it's okay to bring these you know these guys off the crew in and I do that Um, but they take it takes some training it takes a couple of years for them to understand the cause and effect of things and why we do things the way we do them so that when they are put in that position they can be successful at it they're not just Mm -hmm. filling a hole and then uh, this is I hate this job I'm going off to do something else they can actually enjoy it because they know what they're doing Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah it's 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 tough um you know it's a multi-pronged approach where there has to be outreach uh of some sort to um whether it's by gcsaa um, um i would think that gcsaa would have uh something uh the, on the horizon as far as an outreach program, right. uh, to try to, to reach, uh, technically minded youth, um, uh, to, to attract into this industry. And then uh, the, the clubs themselves have to realize that in, in many cases, there needs to be a, a, compensation adjustment uh as far as uh as what uh what kind of a package are we gonna gonna offer this technician to to come in and and be uh, a good steward for our million dollar fleet or whatever the case may be and it, it but that varies all over the map
0: you yeah know? i mean I there's huge I, ranges the, right i mean there are just, there i are. think there's a huge disconnect in pay you can it, go to it,
1: there is and but also there's there's all different Fleet sizes and and um, whether that that's a a small municipal course or a, uh, you know, a small mom and pop uh, nine hole pitch and putt or it's a, you know, whatever level you are. Um, that equipment is is vital to the operation, uh, and in, in many cases, you know, the smaller clubs with a lower budget um, that only have uh, a couple of pieces of equipment, that equipment is much more valuable to the to the success of the overall operation per unit than some some place that's larger and has you know something well if something happens to that one piece we'll just rotate another piece in there while you know while that one gets fixed or whatever you know that they don't have the luxury of of having any swap out so everything has to run
0: well if you really think about it the success of the club relies on that equipment to function You know, if it doesn't function and it doesn't work and you don't have the capital to replace it, what are you going to do? You you, you know, you've got to close the doors at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it it has to come down to, uh, you know, outreach, uh, education, educating, uh, you know, management, all the stakeholders uh, of the clubs to know that, you know, this is a vital uh, position and it, it requires adequate compensation package of some sort uh, and uh, that's that's comparable to to your geographic location and and so on and and um, um, you know I and I don't know I 10 years out from now um, I sure hope that uh, that we're we're finding people yeah. and because uh, you know I sure I just sure hate to think about Putting all that back on the dealers because the dealers are having just as much of a hard time finding people as we are. Sure, they are. Uh, what they have going for them, though, is they offer uh, factory level training, they uh, uh, offer, you know, a typically good benefits packages and so on. So that's where the, the clubs need to step up and and offer that uh, training path. Uh, it has to be a career path. It can't be just just uh, plugging it in.
0: Yeah, and, and I see more of that. Not a lot, but more of it. I mean, with the consulting side, I mean, I when I got into doing it, John, I, I didn't know what to think right i mean i didn't know how many people would want it done and you know what the opinion was going to be i mean i i I know if i sit there and think about it right and i've if i knew all right there's a guy coming here and he's gonna be uh, consulting in the shop i'm thinking well what am i doing wrong Right. And Mm. and I think uh, the approach that I've taken with it is, listen, I'm you know, I'm just an outlet, a a way to kind of get more education um, to help you get the things that you need and help explain why you need them Um, so that uh, so that. You know, it can it can make your life better here or, or you can improve the quality of cut or you can learn things that you didn't know before. And and so you see I see more clubs starting to do it, um, but it isn't big. I mean, there isn't a lot of them. And I, I think maybe some are scared that, you know, they don't want their technician to get pissed off and leave because, you know, I we got a consultant coming in here. But if you look at it from the agronomy perspective, too, I mean, those guys come in to help. Um, I mean, there's there's some out there that are, you know, coming in and looking ways to cut. And, you know, I've kind of taken a different approach to that. You know, if I come in, I'm doing I'm giving you the truth, whether you like it or you don't like it, it really doesn't matter. I'm there to show you how to run this business the right way and you know if you can afford it great and if you can't and there's opportunities to to do things cheaper you know i'll tell you what they are but Mm -hmm. you 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 know you get more of a reality and less of a all right i need you to come in here and and cut 20 grand out of our rn budget how can you do that you know it isn't realistic and it isn't smart to do it to do business that way so um, let me ask you this question (laughs) If you could tell yourself uh, your twenty, you know, twenty years ago, right? You could you could tell that twenty, 20 years ago, John. Hey, um, w- you know, you could do this different or or whatever. What would you tell yourself uh, twenty years earlier? What would you What would you look out for? Or tell yourself to pay attention to.
1: Wow, that's um, that's a good question. Um, I would I would say that I would tell myself that, uh, it's okay if the people around you don't have the same level of intensity or drive that you do. Right. Because there's, there's room for everybody and not everybody has to be a leader. Um, there there's been times in my career where I got so frustrated because I couldn't bring the people around me up to my level of of commitment or intensity um, or motivation about... Um, whether it be you know working on a project in the shop, uh, turning around three sets of fairway cutting units, uh, or um, you know association work or whatever it is, there is a place for everybody. There, uh, every every operation that I've been in has benefited from that guy who just wants to show up and do his best work and go home and not have to worry about anything. (laughs) Um, Where's that job? (laughs) Well, you know, there are, you know, clock punchers who are vital to the operation. There are, you know, the guy who goes out and rakes bunkers every day and does a great job and goes home and doesn't want to learn how to mow fairways or he doesn't want to um, learn how to work on the equipment. And that's okay. Uh, and, and it took me a long time to be able to realize when when folks don't have that drive, they just don't have that level of engagement, and that's all right. They don't have to have my level of engagement. They just have to have um, enough... Uh, care uh, and drive about themselves that they do their assignments well and and um, and and they achieve all they can achieve Um, I've been very very fortunate in my career to be um, number one engaged and and want to learn and be then Um, for whatever reason, be put in in situations with like-minded people uh, who've really fostered my growth and been a champion for my career and uh, and really uh, encouraged my encouraged my personal and professional growth um, and I was all wired for that I'm, I'm still fully engaged today we've got projects going I've got you know my next five years of capital purchases are all lined up and you know we've got all these things going um, and that's great for But, you know, um, Joe Blow working out in the shop has zero interest in that. He wants to do the best job he can working on his assignments. And then he wants to leave and forget about this place. And that's all right. You know, Um, so I would say that would be the the main thing that I would tell myself is that, you know, don't get so frustrated and wrapped up in trying to bring everybody around you up to your level because um, they don't need to be. Right. And and that's it's okay, you know, and just move on. <laughs> yeah. Um and you know, they I I think that overall uh things have gone really well. Um uh, in, for me in my career, like I said, I, I feel very fortunate uh, to be sitting where I am today. Um, I Make no bones about it, I, I work at a very special place uh, with very, uh, very special people, and an, an awesome membership who who gets it, um, uh, understands that we we need to if we want. Uh, excellence we have to invest in in facilities and and equipment to make that happen uh so um i've i've worked with folks that didn't (laughs) didn't care and just wanted me to get it running for another day (laughs) you know and and that's a tough place to be in so um but i think that's it really the 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 big one for me is is just uh not to beat myself up so much in, in trying to uh get everybody um, at my level of of commitment or or engagement all right
0: all right so we're reaching an hour and you know I should have probably thought about this we can't talk and have a phone conversation for less than this ever um <laughs> right. you know i'm thinking you know 30 to 45 minutes i got you know 10 or so questions to ask him and we should be good and uh you know it's great and you know I, i've got a couple more questions so uh i'll ask those but you know i should have known going in that uh i was <laughs> I, I had way too much listed here for for what we had time to do yeah um so we wrote an article right on uh, the levels or the level what level level your reels right so um number one that's uh, the first on my blog it was the first uh co-written blog post that I've done and and uh, I thought it was important enough and when we talked about this subject quite a bit before we did the we wrote it um we were talking about listen man you know one thing that we've learned is that it isn't just you know a right way and a wrong way, per se, in cutting units. You know, it's you know not everyone is going to buy a granite surface plate and and want to level cutting units to the levels at, at which we try to get things and and uh, really cares that much about it. And you know, I think there's a certain level of passion that comes with. Uh, with cutting units and wanting them to be that exact. But I think, you know, it's more the the person and isn't just about cutting units. I think it's everything, right? I mean, we can walk out in the shop today and pick out 25 things that really we'd like to have up another notch. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think the premise that I was thinking behind this whole thing was, listen, let's get away from saying, all right, if you don't do it our way, it isn't the right way. Um, and start looking at what are all the different ways of, of setting up cutting units and, and really what level are those at, right? I mean, mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what, you know, and, and, I, and I think the main mindset for me behind it was um, I wanted to let people know that, hey, you may be doing it this way, but, hey, you can be better, than what you are today, right? You right. you you know, we get in these situations like, you know, a groundskeeper at a golf course, right? And and what's his step up? Where does he go from there? Mm-hmm. Superintendent? Assistant superintendent? Second? You know that takes college education most of the time um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that uh, when I'm when I'm looking at those types of things I try to start thinking more about and and certainly since I've gotten older it's not so cut and dry um, but I think you know and, and tell me what your thoughts are but Uh, the reality of this was we wanted to show people hey listen there are other ways to get better at doing cutting units and here's what that looks like and and where do you fall in that list right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah um you know back when i was a uh mobile service tech uh we had a a uh, service contract with uh with municipality and and uh, i would go out there uh to their ball fields and they had uh, a few fairway units uh, actually two fairway units that they were using to mow their ball fields with and i'd go out there uh once a week and lap their reels in for them and and adjust them up and and they uh, they always told me boy they cut so much better than than uh before you showed up, you know, and, and, uh, that made me feel really good that I was, I was getting a better result for them. Uh, they felt better about it. And then, uh, you know, um, uh, twice a year, we'd take those cutting units and, and back to the shop and we'd grind them all up, put new bed knives on them and, and like that. And, uh, boy, they would just rave about them then when we brought them back and they were all fresh ground. And, uh, you know, then we got the questions. Well, can't you keep the, the level of, of cut quality up more in between those grinds? Well, no, we can't because all we've got is this tool, this backlapping to get that that quality, and that's what you're going to get with right. backlapping. It's going to be better. Uh, you're going to have a better after cut appearance, but it's not that fresh ground quality. And the only way to do that is to increase your, your grinding frequency. Well, then then the next time, you know, once I explained that to them in that way, say, you know, this is all the tools that I have to work with other than that, you know the grinding um uh, then when they re-upped their contract it was rewritten to have four grinds a year done that instead of just the two right. so it, it, they it, it's education learning you know what tool does what for you um uh yes the the lapping was was improving their their um output uh, of that mower um but then there's there's that next level right there's the 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 uh the fresh grind and the fresh knives and, and all that so um it's it's uh, no matter what level you are where you are fall in that in that range of you know it, it's educating uh, all the stakeholders as to okay if you want better it's going to take this uh yep. this this investment in these tools or equipment or time or more cutting units. Uh, in some cases, you know, if, if uh, people are tired of waiting on um, the the cutting units to get done in the shop, uh, well, then maybe it's a, a multi pronged approach where we've we've got better uh, better equipment uh, to maintain the, the cutting units and or more cutting units to swap out so that the the mower is available sooner. Right. Um, and that's the situation we're, we're in now, where we have. Uh, Swap out cutting units for our fairway mowers, uh, so that our technicians can be uh, more productive, um, so on, uh, more efficient in the in the shop. But it, it's all about educating the stakeholders that hey, if you want a, a, a higher level, we can achieve it, but it's going to take an investment in in whatever that may be uh, in order to achieve that. And I think that once you lay it all, all out. Um, then, uh, you know, people can decide for themselves uh, what level where they want to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of great feedback on it. I think, uh, man, views wise, it, it's it's beat everything I've written. So, uh, you great. know, I think it's up forty three hundred views, and and uh, you know, so it's doing really well. But, you know, if you want to see it, stephentucker.net net. Um, you'll see the you'll see the blog post and uh, and check it out. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think about it. Um, last question, John, and then I'm gonna let you go. All right uh next 10 years goals uh things in the business you want to get done um what's on the horizon for uh mr patterson
1: well um first and foremost is of, of course um family and and career uh i i have several projects here in, in the shop let's see 10 years from now that'll be another uh another two and a half equipment fleet turns and uh the new capital equipment that i'm just buying today will be coming due for their swap out so um education for me uh continuing education uh i want to uh you know expand continually expand my own horizons. uh, Maybe look at going and getting a business degree at uh, at college. I've never taken any formal college courses, so it might be cool to to go back to college uh, or go to college, um, see what I can do there. Um, I'd really like to see, you know, in the next couple of years, certainly uh, what we can do. Uh, with gcsaa as as far as uh maybe a a a formal um certification for equipment managers uh we've got the the prerequisite pretty much done with this certificate program and now it's time to take it to the next level with uh with that so i would hope in in 10 years we're you know we're looking at uh, a whole batch of uh of you know certified equipment managers uh, i think that would be really cool um yeah yeah that's uh, that's pretty much it just right, uh keeping on keeping on always learning uh growing keeping up with the latest advances in in. uh turf equipment and and that i i love this industry i don't plan on going anywhere i found a i found a home here at atlanta athletic club and plan on staying here um for as long as they'll have me um but the uh, it's going to be interesting to see where where technology takes us with uh you know right now everybody's still digesting tier four emission standards but uh um we're we're pretty much past that and and uh and we'll see where where it goes from there autonomous machines uh be on the horizon um uh you know we've we've certainly that technology is 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 there now um it's just uh getting that implemented uh, on, on turf equipment, uh, that's that's certainly interesting. Al- alternative energy sources, uh, whether it be solar, wind, um, who knows? We might we might have, uh, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah. Sky's the limit. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, look where we've come. Uh, computing technology, uh, computing power-wise, in the past ten years, and
0: yeah, I think I, I drug a lot of you guys kicking and screaming for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
0: well hey man uh, I appreciate it um, pr- appreciate you taking the time and uh, certainly appreciate being able to give you a call and bounce ideas off no matter how crazy they may sound and and yeah. uh, certainly having you there to to uh, you know just be somebody to talk to. I think um, that's one thing, you know, maybe a lot of guys don't get, you know, no matter where you're at in the business, whether you're at the top of it, the middle of it, or the bottom of it, you need those people to call and talk to and bounce ideas off of. And, you know, hey, am I crazy for thinking this? Um, get Getting some of those opinions. And, and so from my standpoint, I really appreciate you being one of those guys for me. And and uh, I look forward to uh, GIS and uh, we'll be there. and and uh, certainly thank you man
1: thank you appreciate it and you're certainly welcome anytime all
0: right, man, have a good good evening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, I just want to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, uh, please subscribe. If you're looking for golf and turf products, uh, take a look at our website, turfaddict.com, or maybe it's equipment management consulting that uh, you feel would be useful. Uh, if so, feel free to reach out to me at stephentucker.net. Uh, thanks again. I had a blast, and I look forward to having you back next month for a new edition and a new guest.